For years, Minky Couture has been donating blankets to NICUs across the country. Owner Sandy Henry's grandson was born at 30 weeks, and she placed a mini blanket in her grandson's incubator. We want to help other NICU families with the Heart of Minky program. For every adult-sized blanket purchased, Minky Couture will donate a mini-sized blanket to NICUs across the nation. Thanks to you, we can fulfill our dream to blanket the world. This podcast is brought to you by Groove Booking. Because that's my company, and this is my podcast, so, duh. Hi, Brittany. Hi, Tanner. (laughs) Thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. I am too. So you are the first uh, DJ that I've had thus far. Nice. Everybody else has been like solo acoustic acts. Okay. Um, So it's nice to have that um, just variation in, in arts and want to get your background and see what you do awesome and and how you came to be um primarily dj sure so um your full name is Brittany novelli correct is it with an i or with a y so it's actually my fam half my family spells it with an i half of it spells with a y um and my parents spelled it with a y um but i changed it from my dj name to the i because i just liked it better i like i like the i yeah. But I know your email is like with a Y and yeah, I it's advertise it as an I. I'm like, I don't know. It's pronounced <laughs> <Yeah>. the same. <laughs> Everyone spells it wrong too. I'm just, I've embraced it this at this point. So yeah. Yeah. Which is similar to my last name is Siegfort. So it's IE. Mm-hmm. And throughout history, IE is supposed to make the E sound. Mm-hmm. And I've, to my knowledge, been the first person in my family to pronounce it like that. Cause everybody says Siegfort. Like there's no huh. E. Yeah. And so, like, when I say it in front of my parents, they're probably like, "Mm, why do you pronounce it that way? And I'm like, because I pronounce it the right way. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure they love that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But half your family still spells it a different way? Yes. Well, with the I. Or is this throughout history? Um, I think throughout history it was the I. Okay. And it got changed to the Y maybe upon coming to America or something like that. <laughs> um, so what, where is your, I always fuck up what it's called, but like, where's your heritage? Thank you. Heritage. Um, so it's actually so complex because I grew up, uh, well, I know that I'm Polish. I'm mostly Polish, mm-hmm. um, on both my parents' sides, but I was always told, um, that I was Italian and I guess my uncle did some and- ancestry stuff and apparently we're not actually Italian. <laughs> we're like Hungarian or something. I don't know what's real and what's not anymore, but right. I embrace Italianness, um, mostly Polish and Scottish. Okay. Yeah. I recently did the 23andMe, mm-hmm. which I have a theory that they actually just collect your spit and <laughs> it's some weird person that likes to collect spit and they give you a weird um, random And harvest heritage. the data. Yeah. And have it on you. Yeah. Or that. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I mean, listen, like uh, we're already being listened to and watched through cameras. And so it's whatever. Right. If they want my spit, they can have my spit. They got um, everything else anyway. So. Yeah. So what's one more thing? Right. <laughs> <laughs> they can clone us now. Uh-huh. I mean, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, but. Yikes. Um, 
But yeah, I, I, I sent it in, and I always thought that I was mainly German and Polish mm-hmm. based off like what my parents knew and, and everything like that. Um, but it turns out I am mostly Dutch. Okay. I could see that for or, sure. Or um, from the Netherlands. What yep. would that be called? Uh, yeah. I don't know. Like like where... um. Like, uh holland that's oh, that's okay, what yeah. it was focused on it was oh, that's cool. what it was it was south holland and i was like what I... so i had to like do a really deep dive because i thought with heritage it would be one of those things where it, it's or i should say it's not one of those things where like my grandpa was born and raised in poland mm-hmm. and so i thought i was polish right but then when you start really thinking about it it's like well but where were his ancestors right. from? People are constantly moving around. Right. Yeah. So like his great grandmother, which would be my great great, could have been from Holland. I don't know who that is. Holland is so dope too. Have, it's have just a beautiful. Well, I've been to Amsterdam and oh, I was have? very blown away. It was just beautiful. Okay, so tell me about Amsterdam because that is honestly one of the number one places I want to visit. Yes, you a hundred percent should. It's just. It's hard to describe, um, and I wish I had seen more of Holland in general, but I was just in Amsterdam, and there's just so much water, um, and to me, water really clears a space. Like It just adds this like lightness to uh, an area, so mm-hmm. there's a ton of water. Um, the culture is really just unique. Like You can tell that they, uh, they have their uh, monarch or like in their history and they really have a lot of um like statues and artwork all around the city that shows that um Mm -hmm. and it's just a unique style um that i hadn't really seen before so i thought that was really cool plus of course the culture is just so open like you can go to the cafes and (laughs) buy mushrooms on the street and uh there's massive parks everywhere um it's just beautiful so you can buy like this is all legalized though yes well <laughs> it's funny because um actually they don't sell vaporizers like nicotine like jewels were illegal there and i had a friend that like loved her jewel and she was like pissed that they didn't sell <laughs> jewels um <laughs> you gotta bring it with you but i think that's illegal too right but we were in europe for a while so she was like out of her jewel pods and she's like what the hell like they <laughs> They sell mushrooms on the street, but jewels are illegal. So it's it's interesting. Yeah, and that's what I understood about coffee shops is that's where you buy weed. Mm-hmm. Like that's and your can dispensary. Smoke it. Yeah, and you can literally smoke it right there. Huh. Yep. Okay. I mean, that's not why I would visit, but I mean, right. it's also cool. It just it just adds to the culture. Like it's just yeah. part of the experience, really. Hmm. Yeah. I need to visit. Yes, you would love it. Plus, oh my gosh, the music culture is just epic. Like everyone loves music. And I thought that I went to this music festival um, called Drum Code mm-hmm. while I was there. And it was just so, the venue was really cool. It was hard techno, almost a little bit too much for me. Oh, really? Um, But the experience was epic. And I also noticed that there is, like, I feel like there's a hip hop culture there too. Like the people are like wanting hip hop. So that was kind of cool too. So is it more of an electronic culture when it comes to music? Uh, in the mainstream, yes. I would okay. say it's mostly electronic, but I think there's this little underground. They get a good hip hop scene there too. So okay. yeah. Yeah. That's probably like top of my list of 
Well, I, I really want to like go to just that whole area and do like Holland and maybe go up to like I'm so bad with geography. <laughs> go up to like Switzerland and mm-hmm, Norway and mm-hmm. just I don't know if I want to do that in the winter. Summer might be better. Yeah. Um, yeah. Summer's that's, beautiful. That's like top of my list. Yes. You so did you go in the it. summer? Um, I went in August of 2019. Okay. So yes. So you got it right in before. Right before the pandemic. Very lucky. Fun stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My wife and I went to Jamaica in G- December of 2019. Oh, nice. Like three months before Perfect. the world shut down. Yeah. And I remember like when it all hit, I was like, well, good thing we got Jamaica in. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's how I felt about Europe too. Cause I had never been before. So I'm not since I was very young. So yeah. 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 And I mean, that's kind of scary though, because like if you would have been in another country when that hit, like trying to get home mm-hmm. and I can't imagine. Right. That would be Ugh. craziness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I definitely want to, like, I don't think I literally know anything about your prior like music career history mm-hmm. um so i don't even know do you have any musical background like instrumentally or singing besides djing and producing yes um so i've been classically trained as a pianist um i started piano lessons when i think i was like three okay. um so definitely have that background and it has helped me so much in what i'm doing now so um, and do you still play piano? Um, I can, and I don't practice. Um, I have a little MIDI, uh, keyboard, yeah. but I need to get back into playing piano. And I think when I get, um, more heavily into production, I'll start practicing more. So, yeah, it always like blows me away with people like Calvin Harris mm-hmm. and I mean, Charlie Puth is probably an obvious one, but love him. Like those guys are so accomplished on, mm-hmm. well, I, I think Calvin Harris is accomplished on keys. Yeah. That's cool. I didn't know that. I I, I think mean, that makes sense. Yeah. Cause I remember seeing a studio update from him and he had like every vintage mm. keyboard in nice. his studio. And I was like, I feel like you need to know at least how to play somewhat well to own all of this. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Cause like, I don't know how to play at all. And I have my little MIDI keyboard over here uh-huh. that I, screw around with sounds nice. um but i don't know what i'm doing i'm just like that sounds cool mm-hmm. so um yeah i mean I, I i have always said that the best djs have a music background mm. and i haven't been wrong thus far nice <laughs> um i mean i certainly do know some djs that i don't think have musical background mm-hmm. and it's hard to say i shouldn't say musical like djing is musical but mm-hmm. i'm saying like uh, still play an instrument or did in the past right um but certainly it was it was much easier for me to get into learning how to dj and just mix in general from having a very long history of playing music um mm-hmm. and i've only been djing for like two years mm-hmm. um but yeah it just it made things incredibly um easier yes just timing wise pushing buttons <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and that's you know that's the um that's the hard part of telling people that you're a dj is that most people are always like oh cool you yeah. so you push buttons and right. i'm like right but There's you're pushing buttons in rhythm uh-huh. and you're reading the room and like there's just so much that goes into it yeah and the key 
which not all DJs use, but for right. me is like very, very important. And you so, taught me. Yeah. At our, I think the first time we ever met at that coffee shop, you showed me the um, chroma key. What's it called? By the way, if you need to take that call, go ahead. Mixed in key. So I have the screenshot right here. Because what's the number system? Uh, the Camelot mixing system. Camelot, that's yes. right. Um, where did I get Chroma from? I don't know. Is that Camelot, a band? Chroma, it's close. I think it's a band. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so I, I I have it in like the standard like A flat, B, mm-hmm. C, whatever. Same. Um, but you're the one that taught me about the colors. Yep. And That's game changing, the huge. colors. Huge. Took me a minute. Like, I've been playing music long enough to where if I'm thinking, if I click on a song that I just think is going to be a good fit BPM wise, or it's the same, you know, genre as whatever I'm playing. Like if, if we're in, um, if I'm playing like old school hip hop, mm-hmm. which the wedding that I DJ this past weekend, they loved old school hip hop, nice. which I'm not super familiar with, but mm-hmm. I had just brushed on, brushed up on it for this wedding. Perfect. And... I noticed that um, I dragged whatever song in and was ready to mix and they were in, I don't know, one was in like B flat and the other one was E flat. I think that's what it was. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't know music theory. Mm -hmm. So having it color coded in Serato where they're both versions of green, Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, this must sound good together. So when I queued it up and I just listened to it um, to cue, I was like, oh, this goes perfectly together, but they're not the same key. Right. So that's like, that was super game changing. And there's a reason I have it as a screenshot on my laptop. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I have it everywhere too. And the more you use it, the more it kind of, I don't know if in your musical background, you've studied like the circle of fifths. Nope. Um, I remember as a kid learning that I, I hated it. I was like, my, my teacher would like quiz me on it with flashcards and I'd be like, oh, this is the worst thing ever. But now I'm so grateful for it because it just, the more you study music in general or even just the DJ software, um, mm-hmm. the more it makes sense over time. It's like a constant learning process for me like i'll have realizations randomly after like years of using something like oh this would have made my life so much easier (laughs) so it's like that with the uh the circle of fifths or the camelot mixing system too so yeah i mean i I know like what the circle of fifths is but i Mm -hmm. was i was never classically trained and Mm -hmm. so it makes a lot of sense with you being trained and on piano for so long that you would know that but but like anytime any instructors try to get into like theory sort of stuff with me, I was like, mm, nope. Yeah. Stop. It's not fun. No. It's very. It's very necessary though. Yeah. Very uh, right brained. Left brain? Right brain? The one that is more logic based. The one that I don't use. <laughs> right. The, exactly. The side that I don't use. The that's side we it's... don't like to use as creatives. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I've, I've always learned by ear. I mean, that's which I think is super important because I also know um, I was actually just saying this on the podcast yesterday, but I I know literal doctorates in music that like you put them in a, in a room to just jam with people Mm -hmm. in a church setting or whatever it may be. And they're like, ah, I'm lost. I don't have like paper in front of me. Mm -hmm. And that's always been super strange to me. But when you, when you're always looking at 
notes and paper. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why, like, I still know some people that use charts on gigs. Mm. Charts, what do you mean? Like, like, like they're reading music. They're reading notation. Okay, yeah. Like it doesn't like it doesn't matter how long they've been playing that gig in the same mm-hmm. songs. Mm-hmm. It's it's become a crutch right. to have those charts next to them. Mm-hmm. Um, which is the same reason that when I was playing guitar a lot in some duos, um, I I never tried to learn the guitar parts and lyrics for harmonies. Um without having an ipad Mm -hmm. and so it always became a crutch like Mm -hmm. if my ipad if if my ipad died i was shit out of luck right um there was no way i was going to remember what the chord structure was even if it was four chords which is not good (laughs) um so yeah i mean i i wish in some ways that i would have been more like classically trained Mm -hmm. um but i mean especially on drums i guess it's not super definitely common right um drums are badass like that i love the drums yeah (laughs) yeah i mean they're uh, a lot to carry in and load up and expensive and Mm -hmm. yeah don't Mm -hmm. play drums (laughs) (laughs) i'll stick to a drum pad for now exactly yeah get a harmonica and just go from there (laughs) (laughs) um so i mean what age did you really dive into the djing thing um, so I started DJing at the end of 2014. Mm-hmm. So that would, I would have been 24. Uh, I'm now 32. So it's been a while. It's just crazy how long it's been. But um, I was part time for most of that, mm-hmm. um, just kind of doing it on the side. And honestly, it takes a long time to really build skill as a DJ. Um, takes a lot of practice and people, I don't think fully realize that like, sure, if you're not a great DJ, it doesn't take much, but like if you're going to do well and if people are going to enjoy the sounds you're putting out, especially a mainstream audience, like it's going to take a long time, you know, to get really good at it. Um, and maybe different for different people, but, um, yeah, part-time for a long time. I wasn't fully putting a lot of time into it as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and then eventually um i was i got kind of tired of my corporate job and i left it um in 2021 in may and that's uh when i went full-time in djing and so yeah it's been a progression over the years yeah you are super brave for quitting corporate job (laughs) because like i don't know a ton of people that either have a corporate job and then quit it to go full-time music mm-hmm. um, or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, but like there's a, there, there's a lot more of a sure income going from full-time music to maybe doing it part-time or going into a corporate job. Now that's unfortunate because I kind of feel like that's when people give up their ultimate dream and, and it kicks their ass so bad that they're like, I so I'm so sick of getting screwed, which mm-hmm we in the music business know how hard it is. Um, yeah, but I respect the hell out of people like you that take that leap and really go for your true love and passion because I could never do it. Hmm. If I had a good paying job to, to give up that security Mm -hmm. would scare the hell out of me. Yeah. Well, that's the thing too, is like, I feel like I've had a really unique path in my life. Like I have, I'm like well-educated. I'm blessed for that. 
Um, however, I've, I have not had success in the system in like the mainstream corporate system. Like Mm. I really wasn't making great money doing that. It was just, I was kind of slaving away and not getting a whole lot out of it except for being able to pay my bills and that's it, you know? So it, uh, yes, it was a leap of faith because it wasn't the, uh, consistent, it wasn't guaranteed. There was no guarantee at all. Um, but I'm very much not a mainstream person and I've actually had a lot more success doing this now than I ever have in my life. Um, and I, I have a lot of goals, um, through this that I'm, I'm, I will be reaching eventually. And, um, I, I just, for some reason, this works better for me than the system, the typical system. (laughs) The system. Uh Yeah, no, I feel you. Like, um, I mean, you know, the, the nice part about being an entertainer of any kind is while it is maybe considered an odd job, mm-hmm. you can pick up more work for as much, you, for, for as much work as you want to take on. Mm-hmm. So like somewhat frequently with my company, you'll play a double right. and I'm like, I love that you're into doing that because I used to do doubles and triples all the time. Um, but you know, I was bouncing back and forth between drums and guitar and I was bringing a PA and like, Mm -hmm. that was a lot more strenuous, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, because now like if I'm, when I DJ, like I'm able to load in and out in like 15, 20 minutes, which is unheard of with a full drum kit and everything. And with one person. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I got super burnt out doing doubles and triples. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think if I would have been just doing the DJ thing, excuse me, um, maybe I wouldn't and I'd be more willing to take on those gigs. But yeah. ultimately what I'm getting at is, you know, a gig pays anywhere from two to 400 bucks. Maybe it's mm-hmm. like, you know, what would you have been making at your corporate job on salary? I'm not mm-hmm. necessarily asking you this, but mm-hmm. you know, what would somebody be making on a salary? You're, you're fixed. Mm-hmm. And typically there's not a ton of overtime with, with a salary like right. that, but with being an entertainer, it's like, Oh, Hey, last minute I can go, you know, I was planning on having the night off, but now I can go play six to 10 PM somewhere and make 300 bucks. It's right. like, that's typically a no brainer. Yes, absolutely. Um, and like 300 bucks is how much you would have made in how many hours at a corporate job, uh-huh. you know? Uh-huh. I mean, you can get into the conversation about healthcare. <laughs> but <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Health insurance. Yep. But you know, that's a whole nother. There's short term that you can go on until you figure it out, you know? And Mm -hmm. I mean, I had the best healthcare. That is one thing that, um, you know, I kind of took a hit on, but I still have insurance and you know, it's just different. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I don't think that's, I don't think that's something that should completely keep somebody from making the jump. Right. Absolutely. Like there's definitely options. Um, yeah, you, uh, I've had people ask me if they should quit their job full time. Mm-hmm. Um, this has only happened maybe once or twice, but I've had people that's like, hey, if I quit my full time job, how much can you book me? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's a lot of pressure. Right, <laughs> right. You can't really put that on one person. Well, know? but I mean, it's it's a valid question. Right. I mean, if, if I was in the same situation and asking a booking agent that I worked with a lot, I'd probably ask the same thing. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like, there's so many things that go into it nowadays with the state of the economy and inflation and 
like we talk about healthcare costs mm -hmm. and right so it's it's a complicated leap to make but right. but i do think in the end as long as you're not making half a million dollars at your corporate job like you're, mm -hmm. you're probably going to make as much and if not more yes and i think there's a big part of like taking full responsibility for that because like sure you get me a lot of gigs and i am so appreciative of that but like ultimately like i'm getting my own gigs too and mm -hmm. like i'm responsible for my success um you know so i always i want to have gigs coming in from multiple sources not yeah. just one and not putting my livelihood and my success on you is um you know it's all on me so and i'm glad you feel that way yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know i mean i as, as much as I do like it when some people can commit their schedules to what I can book them for, mm -hmm. that's nice with certain artists because they're just always the favorite, um, mm. or I should say the, but a mm -hmm. favorite at, you know, wherever I'm booking them for. Right. Um, but like I've, th the, the number one question that I get from anybody that we're starting to work together is do I need to sign a contract with you and can I work with other people? And I was like, I encourage you to work with yeah, other people. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, which is the same reason kind of along the same lines that I tell people to not get stuck in residencies. Mm -hmm. Like when people are like, I play the same place on Thursdays and I play the other same place on Fridays and Saturdays. I'm mm -hmm. like, simple question. What if they stop booking you? Right. What if they close? Right, right. What if they drop their schedule because budgeting reasons? Uh-huh. You're out of a lot of money. Right. And then trying to go find other gigs or get in with a booking agent. Mm -hmm. Like, we're all booked up for three months in advance for the most true, part. True. So residencies are nice if they seem really solid, but I have learned as much as you probably have that nothing is super solid. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. Um, I've been lucky with that. Like I do have a couple residencies that have been so stable. Um, like my longest standing residency has been at the Beverly on Main. Oh, that's right. And um, that, I mean, I've been playing there for almost five, six years now. So that's like mind blowing. And what night is that? Um, that's day? Thursday nights. My residency is okay. Thursday nights, which is nice because I have the other nights open for other gigs. Right. Um. And then other one is Saturday nights at the rack, but that one's a little flexible too. They're both flexible. Like if I need to get someone else in there to go play another gig, I can. Right. Um, but I I love my residencies at the same time, but I think it really just depends on the venue because I've been very lucky with both of those places that um, it has been so consistent. Yeah. I mean, I'm not shitting on residencies. They're, su yeah. they're super nice to have. I just, they always scared me. Sure. I mean, I, I had a residency at the Wigwam every Thursday for five years. Nice. And they might have dropped it for some summers, but mostly, mm -hmm. like, they just kind of moved um, whatever duo I was working with um, to, you know, different spots in the resort or restaurants, whatever. Yeah. Um, but I was, God, I was so grateful for that gig. Even yes. Even though it was, like, literally a two-hour drive there mm -hmm. with traffic. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but, I mean yeah they were good to me and and i stayed there for a long time um nice i think resorts is a little different of a story um but certainly restaurants kind of come and go and they're like oh we need to cut x amount of dollars this month and mm -hmm. music's always 
for some reason the first to go sure um i think with summers too it's like yeah i have had residencies like drop off for the summer especially mm -hmm. actually this past summer stayed very busy which was awesome but in the past like no one wants to go out when it's 115 degrees outside no. um <laughs> which makes sense so but for me um like being in flow with things is kind of my nature so like usually when something drops off like something else comes in to fill it and um i i think there's like something to be said about that is just being open to other possibilities and not being like totally devastated if <laughs> something drops off you know yeah and i mean that's like a toxic trait that i carry is anytime something cancels i uh -huh. go to the worst possible scenario yeah. as like I'm not going to afford my mortgage and I'm uh -huh. going to be homeless. My wife knows this very well. She's <laughs> like, you literally go to the absolute worst situation if you lose a client or the, and when I say lose client, like it will be for the summer. They have to drop right. entertainment altogether. Right. Um, yeah. And I mean, that's, it is scary to rely on, a company or a restaurant for X amount of dollars if you need that. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's where the argument comes in for me that a lot of people are like, you don't have a boss. I'm like, no, I have a lot of bosses. Right. <laughs> like, uh -huh. I still have to kiss ass and suck up sometimes. Uh -huh. I don't really, I don't really kiss ass. I just, I definitely bite my tongue sometimes right. when, you know, certain individuals try to, you know, puff their chest out or whatever it is and uh -huh. be like, I'm the big bad GM. Right. Oh my gosh. I really have And that's big in the industry too, honestly. Oh, it's huge. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I haven't encountered it too many times, but when I have, it's always this I have guard dogs. It's <laughs> always this um it's this personality of like I'm the top person at this company now. Yeah, and I am the shit and yeah. anything you say if I don't like it, you're screwed. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, why did you get into a place of power? With that attitude? Yeah. Yeah. And it, it makes me sad that people even can. I know, but I feel like it's almost like a quality that they look for with mm -hmm. GMs. Like, <laughs> it's like, why? It doesn't make sense, but it's, I guess it's the assholes that end up getting there. <laughs> I mean, but if you want to look at it a way, you know, grander picture, like... Look at politics and look at oh, yeah. like billionaires and it's like you would, you know, and there's plenty of politicians and, and people in government and billionaires that are probably super sweet people. Oh yeah. They're not but, all bad. I got some awesome GMs too, but. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. And I mean, I, I don't think I have anything to say about any of the GMs that I currently work with at uh -huh. all, but I've yeah. had ones in the past where I'm like, I could not work for them. Mm -hmm. And and I want to say with them, but it does seem like a four. It's like, I'm working for you. Right. And, you know, I'm here to answer to every beck and call. It's like, mm -hmm. why? Mm -hmm. Why do you want to have this personality and, and make people feel beneath you? Right. I've, I've never understood that in the industry. I really don't. I think it's like a power thing. Like there's this book called, I think it's called like the 40 laws of power or something like that. Um, and I started reading it and I was like, wow, this is like not resonating with me at all. Like, I think people use certain rules and like to get power in 
the current system but mm-hmm. ultimately i believe that we're creating like a better system um as like things are falling apart there's no question about it <laughs> <laughs> let's just be real about yeah. it <laughs> so i i really believe there's like this need for like a more hard-centered system i guess yeah i mean things are definitely falling apart yeah um but i i do also believe that as time goes on i hope and i kind of see that that toxic trait of being like a dictator where Mm -hmm. it's like everybody works for me and it's my final say i hope in any area of work that that starts uh, i mean quite literally dying off Mm -hmm. because i mean I think we've all encountered the super nasty elderly person mm-hmm. <laughs> at the bank or mm-hmm. whatever it may be. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I it, it's it seems like we live in a world now where the the quote unquote higher up position is starting to be like people our own age. Yeah, and I don't know if that's just because we're growing older, mm-hmm. or it's because some of those positions are becoming. Um, more accepting of the younger generation. Mm-hmm. And I can't, certainly not in politics, it doesn't seem like, because everybody's ancient oh, and has been there for 60 years. Yeah. But like, now I see a manager at Target that has like blue hair and has a bunch of tattoos. Mm-hmm. And I'm mm-hmm. like, that's badass. Right. Like, just because you dye your hair and you think, like, for yourself that looks good and ta- like, I have a bunch of tattoos, but yeah, it's like, that used to be considered like unprofessional and you're a bad person. What example are you setting? And it's like, who cares right. if as long as you're have a good attitude and you're just nice to people. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like, who cares what you look like? There shouldn't be any sort of discrimination based on anything like that. So, yeah. Yeah. And especially in like music, a lot of us have yes. you know, unique looks and right. or artists uh-huh. <laughs> or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Definitely but. anything goes in that yeah area i think yeah now i mean you know maybe once you start getting like offensive tattoos on your face all right you know let's draw a hard line yeah (laughs) i just don't know about it honestly but you know here's but here's a good example like post malone Uh uh-huh if you didn't know a thing about him and he was walking towards you on a dark street at (laughs) you would literally think you're gonna die yes he's like so unattractive honestly like women think he's attractive but like i'm like what he's got a mullet and all kinds of crazy stuff on his face like and no judgment like i'm i'm happy for him and i'm sure he's a beautiful person but um i don't know face tats don't do it for me i guess but yeah i mean it's to each their own but uh-huh. uh, but like every single time i see in not even interviews but just anything with him like he genuinely seems super polite and nice. Yeah. And he just was like, no, this is my look. Yeah. And he's cool. Like, he's a very well-liked star. Yeah. Yeah. He has a very good reputation. Yeah. I mean, he seems super down to earth. And obviously, like, I don't know if you saw this today, but James Corden is, like, in the process of getting canceled. Oh, today. really? Yeah. I guess he got, like, banned from some restaurant in New York. Huh. And a bunch of stuff has been coming out about him today. Like how completely nasty of a person he is to people. Oh, wow. like when the Ellen thing happened. Mm, well, yeah. Yuck. I don't yeah. like her. <laughs> but here's the thing is like when they came out, I was like, listen, I kind of see it. Uh huh. But that like in her, you mean like you can see it in her or. Yeah. I mean, 
I think during interviews, she's made things awkward with mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like she likes it. Like she likes to yeah. spill people's like kind of secrets that are, you know, in, in the tabloids gossip. But yeah. then she like, I only saw it a couple times, but it seemed like she enjoyed watching people squirm. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I do not get good vibes from her. And the whole, like, I never watched her show, Mm -hmm. but I have, like, after all this has happened, like, gone back and, like, looked at the dynamics of the show. And I'm like, this is weird. Like, this is, there's, like, a dark sort of negative vibe here, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think it has to do with, though, people growing up in fame and stardom and it it's just like it leads not always but uh-huh. it seems like a lot of time to kind of alienates you and and makes you feel like you should be provided with something and yeah and served something from the people and it's like well elite member of society basically yeah like you're above everyone else yeah 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 i mean but that kind of goes back to like people that have that trait Mm-hmm. Like they could just be a manager of a restaurant. <laughs> yes. Like let's be real. It's not that crazy. It's so um, true. But as soon as you feel in any position of power, it's to some people, it's, um, it, it's a good, it's a good feeling for them to, to have. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and then it's addicting from there. I'm sure. But oh yeah. I've personally never felt the want or need for power. Right. I'm like, kind of opposite i'm like i'll let you guys run the show and Uh just tell me what to do yeah (laughs) yeah i feel um which is probably opposite of like i kind of rebranded my business and and said that because i would like to be more of like a consultant for entertainment Mm -hmm. as in very simple things that people don't look at Mm. where it's like hey let's have music from 4 to 7 p.m on a friday let's say and I'm like, well, when do people get here? And it's like, well, like five, but we're trying to build a crowd before. I'm like, that's not going to work. Right. Like, have the people here stay longer. And, and so, you know, push it six to nine. Like right. if people are here at five and it's super packed at six, like get them to stay longer. Right. Um, which when I say that out loud, it seems super easy to understand, mm-hmm. but it's not. Yeah. Like if you're not around the music business, you kind of just view music as like, mm, they'll be in the corner. It's cool to have it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, if you utilize it in the right way. It's game changing. It's game changing. Yeah. It 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 adds so much value to your typically restaurant or bar. Yeah. Um, and you can make more money by spending a little bit on it. Uh-huh. And then it just betters our business too. Like help, help me help you. Right. So, so that's, so that's where, um, the consulting side of things. Cool. I have wanted to push. Yeah. It's experience is what it is. You have experience mm-hmm. that most people don't have. So. Oh God. Booking my own gigs for, uh, how long did I do that for? Like six or seven years. Mm-hmm. I just took it upon myself because I was, you know, what I call a secondary musician. Like I didn't do solo gigs. I didn't DJ at the time. Mm-hmm. So I always had to have somebody else. So I took the responsibility of booking and ugh, it's a pain in the ass. Yeah. Yeah. Now 
my current job with scheduling mm-hmm. isn't necessarily a huge pain. I mean, it, it totally is, but it's I'm not sure the it same. <laughs> it's <laughs> don't start a booking company. I can't even imagine, honestly. You will lose years off your life and sleep, but uh-huh. you know it's fine. Um, but I really do enjoy it, and and the reason I mainly enjoy it, which might seem like bullshit to most people, but or to some people, but I. I love seeing when I'm able to book you for six times a month. Mm-hmm. And um, or, I mean, anybody, but it's just a nice feeling to know that you didn't have to go through that. Mm-hmm. Um, and not necessarily that I did to get that client. It's totally different. But when you're booking directly with, you know, most places, if, if they don't have an agency and that's just like, the GM or F and B manager, mm-hmm. like they don't have time to do it. Yep. And so, you know, you're sitting on the other end waiting for emails or calls back for God knows how long. And you're like, Hey, I was booked here four times in September mm-hmm. and I could really rely and use those gigs for income in October. And then they get back to, you, you know, way later and, they're like, oh, I, I'm so sorry, I forgot. Like, I booked all these other people. And that's that's the pain in the ass about doing it through people that are working at an establishment that are mm-hmm. doing it themselves and they have a bunch of other jobs to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I really bridged that gap between establishments and the music community, that's ultimately what makes me happy about yep. it. Because I, I, like I said, I went through that um, pain of, of doing it myself for mm-hmm. a lot of years. Yeah. Um, and then obviously there's some other booking agency, um, agencies and agents. Um, so like I, I will always say, I don't consider anybody to be competition unless they're not doing a good job at it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like if they're just, if they're double booking a bunch of stuff, um, they're rude. Right. Or, um, there's bad communication. Yeah. Bad communication, low pay. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. Um, because I mean, there's a famous story of a place that I took over years ago, um, from another agency, which I was unaware of at the time. Mm hmm. And some of the bands I wanted to continue using because I thought they were really good. The other ones you know the 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 restaurant had said you don't need to use these people if you don't want to they're not, they're pretty amateur mm-hmm. um and i was like okay yeah i'll keep booking these people and i went to them and i was like hey here's what it pays and they're like whoa whoa this is way more mm. and i was like what were you making because now i have because now i have the total budget so i know what it is and i'm like dear god mm-hmm. like you're making a lot of money off of a booking mm-hmm. which even when I was a musician and I knew booking agents, I was like, I don't care if you're making a thousand dollars off each booking. Yeah. But you got to pay fairly. Right. Like let's, which this never really happens, but like you're making a thousand dollars off a of booking. It's like at least pay each member 300 bucks for a two or three hour gig. Right. But it's like, Oh, you're, you're trying to pay them one fifty. Right. I was like, well, no wonder your entertainment. For sucked. like a multi-person band. Do you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, like 150 per person. Right, right. Um, okay. Not total. That would be even more embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, I just, I never understood why you would put your business 
at jeopardy of losing a client because you're booking super amateur amateur bands mm-hmm. and, and they're amateur because they're taking super low gigs exactly. or, or vice versa. Exactly. Um, I've never understood that. Yep. And there's, it's really important to not undervalue yourself as well as an artist, you know, like if you have a certain level of success or quality in your music and then uh, I've talked to my DJ mentor about this multiple times and he really stresses it. Like, do not like set a limit and don't work for less than that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so when certain other people ask me to play for less than that limit is like, no, I won't do it. If I have yep. the night off, I still won't do it. So <laughs> yeah. And honestly, like some people might look at that like, oh, that's dumb. You could go make money. But it's like, yeah, but my my time is worth mm-hmm. a, a certain dollar amount. Yep. And I mean, if it's right on the cusp and I'm like, I mean, my life is very much different now than it was when I was 18 to 20. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, if I was sitting at home and like I really didn't want a gig on a Friday night, mm-hmm. but I, I was still living in my parents' house and... um. I wasn't married or anything. So it was like, mm-hmm. you know, somebody offered me the gig. I'm like, okay, realistically, what am I going to really be doing tonight? Mm-hmm. Like hanging out with some dumb friend and going, right. to, the, going to the mall. Like, uh-huh. what am I doing? Well, like, and if you're still growing and learning too, like, mm-hmm. which is a constant, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's something to be said for like the 10,000 hour rule, you know, sure. or not rule, but saying, yeah. Um, once you get enough hours in and, and, and enough years and just gigs that you've played in general, I definitely think you should be pretty um, consistent on what you take and don't take. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, there's certain things on the cusp that it's like, okay, I don't really want to go do this, but like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. May as I well. could make whatever. Right. But yeah, but I mean, if, if, you know, if they're offering you like a quarter or half. Yeah. Don't undercut yourself is what yeah. I'm saying, you know, because then that sets a precedent for not only yourself, but others. So. Amen. Yeah. And the whole community. Yeah. Yeah. You, you've, you've been around the music scene for long enough that you understand that. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that, that I will still never try to take advantage of. Mm-hmm. I have never been the person that's like, mm, this person's great. Mm-hmm. And they're 18 years old or younger. Some of the musicians I work with. Wow. Um, That's cool. Yeah. It's super cool. When, yeah. when people get started super early, like Ugh. very similar to what I did. Yeah. Um, I, I really. I wish I started that. earlier with DJing. With DJing? Yeah. I mean, 24 is not that old though. Yeah. I mean, I just, I didn't, I didn't realize what was available to me, I guess. And mm-hmm. I thought I had to do things a certain way, but um, Yeah. I do wish that I started DJing when I really started getting into music because that would do just so much more skill. Well, but I think we probably quit the the point earlier (laughs) (laughs) too too early um, on your story about getting into it. But um, I I know you, you know, were classically trained, right? Mm -hmm. On piano. But what, like, what was your first controller or deck or... How did you see it that it made you even want to buy it? And mm. like, cause especially if you weren't playing gigs like mm-hmm. on piano, mm-hmm. um, I feel like that's much, um, 
not harder, but just more unique to get into as you did? Yeah. Honestly, um, I can't say it was necessarily like equipment that inspired me. Like, um, I think I started going to a lot of music festivals. Like I've always been really into shows, but then I started getting into like electronic music and festivals. Yeah. And I also eventually started working at those festivals and being able to go backstage and get that whole feel. And that's when... I was just deeply inspired by like how really music can um, change an atmosphere very easily and elevate a whole group of people. That's what's really exciting for me is the building community and then elevating that space. So I mean, there's a very good reason as to why tens of millions of people go to concerts every year. Yes. And that's a really... Uh, low blow to my tagline on my website because <laughs> um, I think I, it says something like that but it's but it's super it, it's it's very true literally tens if not more of tens of millions of people pay good money to go to concerts and festivals mm-hmm. why because it makes you feel good exactly like, you're not going to just be like I just want to hang out and see what it's like Right. I don't think most people do that. It's like, no, I this makes me feel a certain way. It gives yep. me joy. And it doesn't matter how much it costs. There are certain bands that I will spend. I literally don't care the amount unless it was like astronomical. Uh-huh. But if I saw a $500 price tag on a ticket for whatever artist, mm-hmm. which I never had to pay. But if I did, I'd be like, I don't care. Like, I'm yeah. so happy for two or three hours while I'm there. It's it's Fine. worth it. Yeah. Who is who would you say is an artist that you would pay higher for? Uh th- the 1975 is the first yeah. one that comes to mind. And that's only because they're probably my favorite live band. Uh-huh. Um I have a lot of favorite bands and artists, uh-huh. but they are definitely like top 1% of cool. my favorite live show. So when they put tickets on sale, this was only like 4 to 6 weeks ago. Mhm. I told my wife, I was like, I literally fucking don't care what they cost. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, if if nosebleeds, for whatever reason, thanks Ticketmaster, uh, <laughs> are $400, like, I'm going to buy them. Yeah. Have you heard about the Game Time app? No. Sure, I'm giving. Plug it <laughs> so we can put Ticketmaster out of business. <laughs> I hate them. No, it's. I've heard that it's much better. I haven't used Game Time, and I'm just basically plugging a barstool sports app. Um, and I love them. I love Portnoy and that whole situation. <laughs> and I'm not even into sports, but yeah. Game Time apparently you can find great tickets for a lower price. Are Hi, these I'm, resale though? Uh, they are. I think they are resale, like similar to like StubHub, but oh, better. Okay. Well, because the only problem with that is... But I'm not is, sure, so, yeah. Because the problem with that is that you're having scalpers, which I don't really know how that works. Right, right. But they'll buy thousands of tickets. Mm-hmm, which is messed up. But I don't even understand how they're doing it that rapidly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I understand, like, you know, they have a, a pot of $50,000 and they're like, we're going to buy as many tickets as we can with, mm-hmm. with that money. Mm-hmm. Fine. And they know that they're going to probably make it back. But I don't know, like... I sit on the Ticketmaster waiting room for 10 minutes and then I select a ticket and there's an error. Right. And then it kicks me back to the lobby. Yeah. I'm like, I mean, it's got to be like a hacking thing. Yeah, like a software program that does it. 
or something. I think it has to be. Yeah, and that maybe that's why these websites air out like that because mm-hmm. there's these people doing that. I'm sure they have had to investigate that on some level. But I mean, also look at look at how big these apps and companies yeah. are. Like yeah, StubHub is huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, SeatGeek, huge. Mm-hmm. They're making so much money that they're able to spend a ton of it to in 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 uh, advertisements that they ex and then they exponentially grow from there mm-hmm. but to get that much money initially i wonder how um, i yeah i don't know i wonder how much like illegal things are going on in the background i'm sure sites. there's and i think a lot of online websites especially social media like there's this bad stuff that happens in the background but it like benefits the company ultimately so yeah. they they're like oh i guess we'll look the other way you know they really don't give a crap about us so <laughs> no no they care about they're the like, bottom line oh, we got a, a mad uh, angry email <laughs> yeah it's like yeah, yeah. We, don't, we really don't care i mean facebook has zero support whatsoever you know it's all just online forums like you in order to get facebook support you literally have to be like an elite (laughs) so like no like you can't call a number and be like i'm having issues with hell no can't even chat oh i think you can email but it's like rare that they respond and is instagram the same way to your knowledge well yeah because they're owned by meta yeah so it's a um zuckerberg thing (laughs) oh which is unfortunate because when Zuckerberg was on Joe Rogan a few weeks ago or whatever. Yeah. Like, he seemed much more normal. Really? Than I thought he would have been. Yeah. But. I heard that from Joe. I think that he was fairly normal. I was like, how? He yeah. looks like a cyborg. <laughs> I mean, he still might be a cyborg. He honestly might be. They just tuned his brain well for that interview. Right. True. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. <laughs> I, I really don't know but i mean yeah. he's, he seemed to have like hobbies and he was like talking about you know while a lot of people are saying that social media is tearing us apart he said no instead i'm really focusing on how it can bring us together and and um you know diminish the the physical distance problem mm. of living right. in another country like we all and, need to go into the metaverse now which is terrifying. Yeah, I'm not, I'm highly skeptical. <laughs> I, I, I'm not even skeptical. I'm just not interested. Yeah, just hell no. I know, same. Like, yeah. uh-uh. Like, that won't be me. land in the metaverse. That's ugh, sketchy. And that's why the, there's the push for crypto and yeah. uh, online, you know, like even there's they're testing chips to put in our hands so we can check out at the grocery store with crypto. Like... I mean, here this me is out. too far. Singularity is here and it, it's not going in a good direction. But hear me out. <laughs> <laughs> While I wouldn't use the tattoo or chip in my hand for uh-huh. crypto, uh-huh. I might sign up for that if it was just my actual credit card. <laughs> in your hand? <laughs> sure. What about your phone, though? It's easy. I know. I, I, that's a, that's a whole other laziness of me being like, I don't want to pull out my wallet. I mean, it sounds <laughs> nice, but when you look at what's behind it oh. i don't trust it you know like no yeah like i mean th- they can already steal your info from a credit card in your back pocket uh-huh. in your wallet uh-huh. it's like if it's just in my hand yeah right it's pro- probably not a good idea there's so many issues that could come with that 
I'm not going to have it done. Yeah. But for a second, I was like, mm. actually, somebody just had their Tesla key card implant surgically implanted oh, no. into their wrist. No. This is a real thing. I think it was another country. <laughs> and I was like, bro, like Yikes. your phone app opens the Tesla. Yikes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like, Who gets a card implanted? And what Heck doctor no. was like, yeah, I'll do it. Right. That is nuts. It is nuts, man. Um, okay, we keep straying away from... I keep wanting to come back to, like, where you got started in... But I'm glad we're getting uh, sidetracked on fun <laughs> topics. Right. Um, okay, so you so you, you said you were working backstage mm-hmm. more. Mm-hmm. Can you tell about that? Like, what you were doing at that time? Yeah. Um, so, the, the festival I'm speaking of is called Lightning in a Bottle. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to that festival from 2011 to, I want to say, 2016, so six years. Um, and the first few times, it was just, like, me going as a uh, participant. And I, it just deeply inspired me on so many levels. Um, it's a little bit more of, like, a spiritual festival. Yeah. Um as well as like electronic music and no healthy drugs food. Yeah, zero drugs, none of that. S- yeah. Super sober. Totally they clean. You. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> but then I went so much that I started making connections and obviously passionate about the music industry. Um, I had multiple jobs, and one of them was um, I had connected with this visual artist. Um, his name's Zavi Panatin. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was doing, he was connected with Android Jones, who is a big artist in that scene. Uh-huh. Um, he makes some pretty trippy digital artwork. A lot of it's really cool. Um, but I also feel like my art aesthetic has evolved a little bit outside of this, like kind of hippie thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I appreciate it. Love it. Um, so when you say digital artwork, are you talking about like the, um, AI art stuff? He's definitely dabbling in VR and I I don't know about AI probably, but he has done VR art installations that are really cool. So, so that's what you're talking about with digital. Uh, well that, and just, uh, like he does just digital artwork as well. Like graphic design type artwork. Yeah. Yeah. Like I bought, like I bought my wife, a iPad, whatever, um, with the pen and like, Mm -hmm. so like, so he's so this artist like when you say digital like there's not actual pen or pencil or anything to paper it's all with on something digital yeah with android jones that is the case however zavi my friend um he is a muralist so he definitely uses um like physical mediums like spray paint and he has his uh he still does graphic design he also has his like sketchbook kind of stuff so okay so sorry so you kind of hooked up with them and mm-hmm. and that's not the right way i want to say <laughs> you you connected. linked up with yes. them connected uh-huh. um and how did that go from there um so zavi honestly became one of my very close friends and then they started collaborating him and android jones at different festivals like lightning in a bottle um there's one called like Sonic Bloom in Colorado, which I don't think I actually worked at that one. I think I just went to that. Mm -hmm. Um, But other events in like California, West Coast area, um, they were doing these massive art installations where they would hire a team of people to like build a geodesic dome out of um, like metal 
poles basically mm-hmm. um and then from there they would create an art gallery um involving all these different artists sh- showcasing visual art um as well as like android jones had his little vr or ar installations in there as well okay. um yeah so it was usually i was working for those artists and then i i got the backstage passes and got to go watch my favorite artists or whatever from behind and really just having those connections like one time i i got to go to coachella um like backstage i forget what we were doing but um (laughs) again super sober no drugs involved (laughs) (laughs) it's funny that was actually the first festival i tasted mezcal which is i've actually stopped drinking for the most part but um one of my favorite spirits is mezcal and that happened at lightning in a bottle so or no at coachella at with the do lab stage so okay so i've heard of mezcal yeah quite a bit but what kind of alcohol is it i forget it's tequila okay, um that's what i thought it's just like a very smoky taste like mm. a lot of people hate it um because it is but very like, mezcal's my shit it's like i don't i love tequila and then <laughs> mezcal is just like more of a full-bodied flavor so i was like this is great <laughs> wow you're yeah. like you like no tequila Ah, uh, kind of i mean okay. i it's my favorite so huh? yeah I just I've heard of too many nights ending terribly with tequila. So yeah, I don't know why it just resonates. I think it's um, being from the Southwest. It's like it's yeah. in my blood. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna go with that. Yeah. Um. What, what DJs slash producers artists, I guess would you be surprised, does a ton of actual mixing on stage as opposed to have you seen actual play button DJs at these festivals? You don't have to call them out, but I want to know. Yeah, this is a great question. And I think that you kind of have to differentiate because so there's music producers, Mm -hmm. like people who make electronic or any kind of music. So like, who would that be? Um, well, man, there's a lot, like, uh, a lot of big DJ names, like quote unquote DJs are producers. Yep. Calvin Harris, definitely a producer. Um, Is DJ Khaled actually like Khaled's a producer. Yeah. Right. But I mean, but is he actively DJing festivals and stuff with his own music? Like, like, like Calvin Harris says that a lot. Uh, I would say, yeah, I would say that Cal, I, to be honest, I, hate dj khaled but um as like a good example um yeah i would say that he's integrating because you know like anytime you hear a you know big rihanna track or whatever and khaled worked on it you'll hear like dj DJ khaled yeah so (laughs) the best (laughs) exactly so yeah he's throwing a lot of that in there but then he'll also like mix in other people's music so but ultimately yes i would say he's djing on stage he's Mm -hmm. not like live mixing or live producing it's more about being like a personality on a stage it's not so much like technical mixing well who knows i don't know because i haven't seen khaled like i'm sure he has dj skills um it depends on who it is i'd say like definitely people are hitting play and it's pre-recorded set like people like aoki are known for that um because he stands up on stage and throws cakes at people's faces instead of (laughs) actually mixing even though he has incredible skill as a dj he doesn't utilize it that's that's more of my question are like the big 
DJ names as mm-hmm. opposed to producers, mm-hmm. which I understand there's a crossover. Like I feel like I, I keep using Calvin Harris just because pretty much everybody knows Calvin Harris, right? Right. I, I feel like he's a pretty good cross between the two because mm-hmm. like he comes out with his own albums somewhat frequently and mm-hmm. um it, he's not just a producer. Like I almost consider him more of like an artist. Yeah. Um, which is cool. But uh, yeah, I'm just always wondering people like Steve Aoki and you can name, cause I don't know a lot of their names, like mm-hmm. the famous, famous Vegas DJs and yeah. like, they tour and do the pool parties. Like it would be nice to know if they were actually actively mixing like sure. in, in a Serato type program rather than just pulling up Ableton and like letting a set run. Right. That's a great question. Um, and I think it really depends on who it is as well as like the type of performance that it is. Mm-hmm. Um, like for example, Odessa, like they're great, great DJs example. and I have seen them before they got huge and they, they put on a great little DJ set. And I, I love that because when you're DJing, it's a lot more like you're feeling what the crowd is giving to you and you're changing your decisions based off of that so it's like a very organic like raw experience with a live dj set um whereas if you go see odessa now um highly highly produced like and no hate on them for that like they put on incredible shows like visually but like every moment of that show and every cue is planned and they just do that over and over again which it's cool but as a dj like i want to see more like live interaction like on the fly exactly like in the moment decision making yeah like i don't mind if you have a one hour set and you know a, a one hour set is probably about 15 to 16 songs if they're like three to four minute songs mm-hmm. um I might be off on that but you know if if you have a playlist full of only 30 or 40 songs instead of obviously looking through hundreds or thousands yeah that's fine but that's that's something that live music has done a lot that i'm not a huge fan of is um more and more every tour of some of my favorite bands when i'm able to go on <laughs> setlist.fm i don't mm-hmm. know if you ever use this Mm-mm. so setlist.fm is the title of it it's it's anybody's set list oh cool so it's crowdfunded so oh, like okay so fans can sign in you know um sign up whatever i love that and which is cool because to be honest like if if somebody's touring for four months and i'm thinking about going to see them and it's at the end of the tour mm-hmm. this might be kind of bad especially with me being a musician but i will look at their set list and be like they're playing a lot of stuff off of whatever record I didn't like mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. I can't say I've done that a lot of times, but like I'll go to a show regardless. Mm-hmm. But I certainly always look up the set list. Yeah. Um, but what's nice Wait, is... Wait, you can look it up ahead of time? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So like I went and saw... Do you know the band The Midnight? Uh, I've heard of them, but I don't know okay. them. They're like pretty 80s electronic... Or okay. I should say synthwave. They're like... okay. 80s synth wave yeah um but but they're now incorporating all live instruments cool so they sound way better because nice. i saw them when they were like a electronic 
I think there was only like a drum pad mm-hmm. and guitar and sax on stage. And it okay. was super lame. <laughs> really? It was so bad. And I was like, I will not go see them again huh. unless they have a band. Yeah. This last time I went, they had a band. Nice. One of the most polished, polished sets I've seen. Uh-huh. Cool. But I looked up their set list from five shows ago. And then as it's approaching... I'm checking each night. It's the same mm, order every mm-hmm. night. And it's because it's it's like literally pressing uh, space bar in Ableton. Right. And the show runs. Right. Like there's a laptop off stage. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm doing live gigs on drums, we typically use a lot of tracks for, for click and, you know, some synths in the background or backing vocals um, just to sound bigger. Mm-hmm. Um but like I have, I have keys. Like I can press on W and it goes to watermelon sugar or whatever. Mm-hmm. But we're doing that on the fly, right? Like we don't have. I don't press spacebar for a two or three hour gig and it just runs the show. Uh huh. Um, and so it's nice to see bands be able to switch it up every night, and they have five songs that they will cycle out and use another deep cut mm-hmm. um, on any given night, just because they feel like it. Yep. Um, but that seems to be much more organic. Yes. Um, it's better. Yeah. It's a better experience in my opinion. And not everyone like realizes, most people don't realize what's live and what's not. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and I didn't before I started doing what I do. Um, but now knowing that it's like, I would rather for sure go to a show that is more live like I get almost a little disappointed when I go to a show hoping for something organic and it's like the same things happening every night it's it's yeah. kind of a buzzkill <laughs> yeah and especially if you see the same artist on the same tour a few times uh-huh for like, sure um my wife was uh my wife went and saw Harry Styles in Austin Texas a few weeks ago yeah and then we were actually supposed to go to LA to see him again on um the 29th mm-hmm. of this month and uh, I booked a festival and I wasn't able to go, but nice. like she would have seen him. That would have been three times within the past year. People do that for him. Yeah. People love I, him. I would do it for him. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Am, I'm definitely a very big fan Harry of stand. Harry Stan. Nice. Yep, I'm a Harry Stan. <laughs> um, definitely not from One Direction necessarily. However, I think 1D got too much hate. One. Oh, yeah. And I mean, he's evolved massively. Yeah. I mean, even his first solo record that he came out with, with was so different from One Direction. Mm-hmm. Like, like very, very, um, like, not produced and mm. organic and very raw sounds. Huh. Um, That's cool. I don't cool. know if you've listened to him a lot. But. I'm like, I don't want to say I'm a pop music hater, but, like, Top 40 <laughs> is not my thing, you know? Yeah. Um, but doing what i do i've i've appre- i've learned to appreciate stuff a lot more like that or like you know i've listened to more harry than i would have previously right. you know <laughs> but at the same time like i'm sure you for the most part dj the hits oh like, for sure the current hit like for i have me, to with being more of a harry fan than obviously you like i'll pull out like a deep cut that that matches the vibe that I'm going for for that restaurant. Like he's mm-hmm. got some very like deep housey with natural instrument uh tracks mm-hmm. that I'll use. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, like any any I mean I'm a hater of 
most top 40. Yeah. And it's because when whatever big song comes out, you want to learn it for where you're playing. Right. So it gets old really fast. <laughs> yeah, totally. But it's just funny because people love it. Like people love to hear what they know because it like creates this sense of connection. Mm. And that's why, I mean, I will always have top 40 songs in my set list you know because yeah. it brings people together on a different level and that's cool so mm -hmm. i'm always shocked by how people aren't sick of certain songs i know how I don't under get i, I don't really understand. don't either like songs like get low i'm like why do we still like <laughs> the this? best example yes <laughs> like why are we still listening to the eighth grade dance bangers you know i didn't even like them back then so and if you were in eighth grade i was in uh like six fourth yeah fifth. damn i got that many years on you 32 yeah 32 yeah, four years on me yeah okay um, <laughs> that's not too bad four I guess. feet on me too by the way <laughs> <laughs> the first time i met you i was like oh i was like i don't usually like stand next to like i'm only six one how tall I mean, are you i'm six so are you yeah I just I have two inch chunky boots oh. on right now. So <laughs> you always seem taller than me. It's because you're wearing stupid shoes. <laughs> <laughs> I wear flats as much as possible, but these boots won me over. So right. Yeah. Who um who's tall in your family? This is totally sidetracked. <laughs> My dad is six three and okay. or maybe six four. My mom's five ten. That's so why. I got my it's... dad's height. Yeah. No, but I but it's from your mom also. Yeah, she's tall like, too. Five ten is pretty tall for a, a, a girl. Yes. Um. Or I should say not average, mm -hmm. but like my dad, 6'4", mm he's -hmm. a giant. His dad's 6'6". Six, six. Wow. My mom and all of her um, brothers and sisters for the most part is like 5'4", and then gotcha. slightly up. And it's mm -hmm. like, damn it. <laughs> could have been a giant. <laughs> <laughs> well. I could have had a backup as a basketball player. Uh-huh. No skills, but I had height, you know? Right. Yeah. I get asked that all the time. Oh, I'm sure. It's like, did you play basketball? Did you play volleyball? It's almost just like an excuse for people to like talk to me. <laughs> yeah, it Don't is volleyball. Don't tell you played either one though. I did play volleyball, yes. Ah, damn it. Yes. So you did, you got the stereotype. Um, Yeah, yeah, I definitely <laughs> did. And, but I can't say that I was, I, like I had, I was decent, but I was not aggressive. And right. I think that's the thing that I failed at in volleyball is like, I was too nice and i didn't go after stuff aggressively just, enough so just knowing your demeanor like every time i talk to you i like i could never imagine you on the court like ah! <laughs> <laughs> it is so fun though like yeah. i would still play and i think i would be more aggressive now but it's still i mean i don't like knocking people out either so <laughs> <laughs> i i didn't know you had to do that in volleyball but well it is it's somewhat it can be aggressive you know yeah i mean it's a physical sport. you see the girls like smacking each other's asses and stuff so well, that's a whole other topic I <laughs> true, true. it's one of the I reasons mean, people that's another stereotype with uh, uh volleyball players yeah right um what was i gonna ask that before we went into that <laughs> um, um something about we were talking about live shows and producers versus djs and yeah um, well, I guess we still haven't gotten to necessarily like when you picked up your first like DJ equipment. Yeah. And, and I think you had said earlier that like you weren't gravitated or, or gravitating towards, um, the equipment. I get that, but, mm -hmm. but obviously you have to start somewhere. So, right. um, 
So you have a mentor though, you said, right? That you like took yes. lessons from and stuff? Yes. And that's really how I started getting into it first is I would like hit up friends and say who were DJs and say like, hey, can you show me what mm-hmm. you're doing? And so I would do little sessions with like a friend and that's really when I first started touching the equipment. Um, and then I did take classes. I forget when it was that I got my controller. I have a... Um, SR2 DDJ Pioneer is the first one you still have. Like yeah, that's what you use. yeah. Cool. and at this point, I'm I really need to upgrade, so I will be doing that soon. <laughs> um, there is just some awesome stuff out there too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I still have my first controller, and it works. I mean, Pioneer makes a great, long-lasting controller. So I mean, you've had it for eight years. Well, I think I got it in like maybe 2016. So still though, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, which is funny because with electronics, it seems like with everything, like computers and iPhones and whatever else, like we're upgrading them every two years. Mm -hmm. But um, like that thing sitting behind you, that drum pad that Roland makes, Mm -hmm. I've had that for 12 plus years and it's like still my go-to electronic, you know, musical instrument that I incorporate. Cool. Which is nice that we don't have to upgrade those every two years because they are right. way too expensive. Yeah, I bet. Well, no, I'm but controllers too. Oh, yeah. They are really expensive. So I'm glad that they last. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it does. I've I've kind of beat mine up a little bit because yeah. I should have had a hard case, but I've had a soft case. And oh. yeah, with all the equipment, things tend to get jostled around in the car, you know, and yeah. that's unfortunate. But um, for the most part, yeah, it it's lasted me, so... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the fact that you have a soft case tells me that it's not super heavy. And that's exactly why I have a soft case because, I mean, those cases are heavy. Like, the cases are heavier than the equipment. So, (laughs) which is probably a good thing. Right. Um, True. (coughs) Excuse me. I I bought a um, a Denon Prime 4 after my first controller. Mm hmm. So it's got like the touchscreen deal on it that you can use it without a laptop, mm-hmm. but I still always use it with a laptop. Um, but like the controller alone is like 30 pounds and mm-hmm. the case is like another 30 pounds. Mm-hmm. I think weighs a ton. Yeah. I'm like, I don't want to lug this anywhere. Yeah. Like I haven't DJed at um, Recreo with the up top deal with the stairs, but I'm like, I wouldn't want to carry this upstairs. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'd bring my tiny one. Right. Um, no, it's, it's a lot of... Yeah. Heavyweight. Yeah. That's why Plus I w- speakers. Oh God. Let <laughs> me start on speakers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I know. I, I know some DJs that they're like, Oh, I have like big 15 or 18 inch speakers that are on poles. And I'm like, it's way like a hundred pounds each. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. I know. I mean, our friend that we were talking about earlier, uh, mm-hmm. Jaffe, he's like hauling major equipment. <laughs> yeah. I know. I saw it set up at a wedding and I was like, bro, there's some big speakers. Yeah. And I was like, you don't need all this stuff. Like this place has a pretty solid sound system. He doesn't care. He wants as much sound as possible. So. I respect it. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Um, I was going to ask, what in your memory do you have a worst gig? If it's one that I booked you on, don't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a best memory for a gig and an absolute nightmare gig story? Oh my gosh. Um, I know this is on the spot, but. Well, I've had a lot of really great gigs and I guess the most recent one is standing out to me. Like 
anytime I'm over at um, Waterfront Culinary Dropout, oh, yeah. like they just there's something about that place like and the staff that's just great energy and they like love my style so they just uh, this past sunday was like really fun i got some really nice feedback from the girls there and um so i don't and then i mean there's this like house party that i played when i kind of first started out where i got to play some like really heavy trap and that like really oh, yeah. fulfills me like the, <laughs> the the heavy bass is like what my soul like thrives off of so um that is a memory that is gonna go down in the books you know like it was just a house party at one of my friend's house and yeah. houses and um just the crowd was into it and they were like like this one guy looked at me and he's like, Brittany, I'm going to need to go smoke a cigarette right now. And I'm like, yes, that means I've succeeded. <laughs> so like a stressed out thing? Like... No, like it was dirty. Like, <laughs> Oh, I got you. Gotcha. Know. Okay. I was like trying to get what he was meaning there. He was like, damn. <laughs> need a cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, no, I'd like, we all don't strive to have nightmare gigs, but yeah, whether it's between rainstorms uh in mm. the summer and then in the summer it's like oh we're gonna have you play from noon to four but it's on a patio yeah like oh god it's hard to say because i feel like i i've never had just like a total disaster like to me like a disaster would be is if for some reason i wouldn't be able to execute right. um that would be just my nightmare like forgetting something I, I did forget a microphone once um, at a private event and it was like, they didn't request a mic, but then when I got there, they were like, oh, you have a mic, right? And I was like, no. Um, like, yeah, at home. So that was bad. But the event went fine and actually I hit up a friend and she, she she's Musa's girlfriend, so she's oh, yeah. just like constantly helping us out with stuff and she ran me over a mic and like oh. saved my life and it all worked out great, but... Um, yeah, I would say the nightmares are more when I'm like failing because as long as I'm able to execute, like it, things turn out usually decent, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad to hear that you don't have any nightmare experiences. <laughs> yeah. Nothing too bad. It, not that I can think of. I'm trying to think what nightmare experience. I've yeah. Had. I've probably had quite a few, but like I had a gig at a park. It was on a baseball field and it was like 40 to 50 mile an hour winds all day. And I was on drums and it was blowing over like it was catching the symbol. Um, like how much surface area there's on the symbols mm-hmm. and blowing my stands over in the middle of the concert. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like oh I had drum gosh. stands and stuff just falling over Ooh. on the stage and I was like, okay, this is fine. I'm having <laughs> yeah. fun. Right. And so like in between songs, I'm like grabbing heavy cases and like trying to put it on legs and stuff like that. Anything that's like super stressful while you're trying to perform mm-hmm. is my nightmare. Mm-hmm. Like if stuff yes, starts going yes. wrong, I'm sure you've had it where like audio stops. Yes. Mid song. Uh-huh. And you're like, oh, well, cool. Right. This is super Dead awkward. Air is the worst. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, I had that happen a few weeks ago and like nothing was overheating. Audio stopped and then came back five seconds later. And then yeah. like the whole time you're like, please don't happen again. Yeah, totally. <laughs> or if I like accidentally get the mic too close to the speaker, you know, it makes that 
horrible noise. Oh, um, that's that. always <laughs> terrible. I did that last weekend at a wedding. Really? <laughs> I, was, I was queuing up a song to go into like whatever the next thing was. And they walked the mic back to me and I forgot to mute it. Mm-hmm. And they got right in front of the speaker. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, ah! Jolts everyone. Sorry, guys. Uh-huh. <laughs> it happens, man. It happens to the best of us. It happened to me like two weeks ago, too. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I know what I'm doing, you guys. Like, obviously. <laughs> The thing says you don't know what you're doing except feedback. Exactly. And you're like, no, I've I've been doing this. I just there's <laughs> I a just mute button. Them. Yeah. I didn't hit it. <laughs> right. Uh huh. Um, who are your like favorite current artists? Ooh. Um. So big inspiration lately um, has been Fred again. Um, he makes some pretty unique electronic dance music. Like it's deeper, like very emotional. And um, he recently did a boiler room set that's just like the energy is infectious. Like you can mm-hmm. feel the energy from this uh, experience. And um, I was actually watching it and I was like, I, I'm not like super into astrology. I wouldn't say I'm like an astrology girl. Maybe other people would class me as that, but like, oh God. <laughs> um, I do know a, a little bit about it and I feel like intuitively I, sometimes I'm able to like guess people's signs and Let, let's do it. What's my sign? <laughs> Wait, aren't you a Aries? Nope. Okay. I, when's your birthday? May. Oh, you're Gemini Taurus. 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 Okay. That makes sense definitely don't say that to me <laughs> that's what don't say that that's makes why i sense. get classed as, a, as an astrology girl why does that make sense because you're very grounded and like um oh god i would say you're pretty like loyal um very I'm like a golden retriever <laughs> which is why i have one <laughs> i could see it i could see it yeah um side note i had a girl at a bar the other day that i told my wife the story mm-hmm. i think Unless she's going to hear it for the first time. That's good. A <laughs> uh, girl was totally hitting on me and she was like, just randomly like, oh, what sign are you or whatever? And I was like, oh God, here we go. And she's like, cause I'm this and I'm pretty sure they mesh pretty well. And I'm like, you know what doesn't mesh well though is I'm married. <laughs> so the signs have nothing to do oh with it. Oh my gosh. Sorry. <laughs> um, anyways, you were talking about um, your influence and, and, like you've been super into i don't know what the hell you said artist name oh um yeah fred again um, fred again yes like the name fred fred again period okay thank you yes um like there's a period at the end of his name it's <laughs> <laughs> very important yes he he's great and um and the whole thing about me bringing in the astrology piece is um i like as i was watching this i was like wait a second there's no way he's not a cancer. Like he has to be a cancer and I'm a cancer. Um, it was like the way he was interacting as well as like really listening to his music. I was like, he's got so many emotions. Like he's got to be. And I looked it up and sure enough he was. So I think you are a big astrology girl and you don't know it. I know. I mean, it's just, it's an intuitive thing really. Yeah. Yeah. And I am very intuitive. So (laughs) I would love if you were like, I'm not really that, much of a astro- astrology girl and then like you have like a whole back piece of like stars and constellations <laughs> like, i mean uh, oh i'm not that big into it but my whole back's tattooed yeah, um, right. <laughs> i mean i do have a lot of 
stars and moons in my house and that kind of thing. Okay. Not on my body, but in my house okay. for sure. I have stars and moons and stuff. Yeah. And I'm not into astrology. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, are, are you mainly into electronic music or? Yeah. Like, is that what you mainly listen to? Um, Currently, it's a huge part of it. Um, But I have like, I'm... I'm the kind of person where I like constantly need new music mm-hmm. and like it feeds me and I can't listen to the same stuff over and over again. Like I, it's like part of this, it's just a search for me constantly. And, um, so I started, my first music scene was actually like the ska scene, mm-hmm. um, ska punk. And then it evolved into reggae. And then in college, that's when I started getting into electronic music, but I was also very still into like alternative and then um, electronic has stuck for a long time for obvious reasons because it's big and uh, just keeps more and more keeps coming. Um, but I, I love hip hop. I love trap. Um, but so a lot of the mainstream trap, like I can't listen to. It's like yuck. But um, <laughs> especially the lyrics. But the beats, yeah. those beats are like really what gets me. So I'm very diverse in my musical the only things I don't really like are country and uh, Damn it, Brittany. pop. I mean, some pop is great. So but... you really love pop country. That's your favorite. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so you like really new country, I'm sure. Love Taylor Swift. I'm a Swifty. Not at all. Please. <laughs> I just, I totally knocked her yesterday on yesterday's podcast. I yeah. Know. I just, yeah. I'm not a, not that big of a fan. No, I'm not at all. Um, anyways, um, I want you to plug your socials and anything that you have coming out or released um and then i'm actually gonna have you probably if you're fine with it send me whatever you have out so i can put it on the end of this podcast sure because i typically have somebody perform uh i don't have a piano oh, okay. and i don't know if you sang on them but <laughs> yeah no <laughs> so yeah Not so socials and all that stuff um okay cool so on instagram i am dj underscore b dot novelli so b dot n o v e l l i i yes with the i um i do have a mixtape that i released recently it's called the journey that is in my instagram bio i'm also um on soundcloud b novelli with an i uh and it is like the first thing on my soundcloud and that's a chill house mixtape so yeah yeah. no i want to put some on the end of this so cool uh thank you very much for making the trek out here yeah thanks for having me this is so cool yeah absolutely so i appreciate what you do and Um, It's been nice to get to know you and I'm excited for um, just our working future and and your endeavors coming out and being released. So thank you so much, Tanner. Appreciate you too. Thanks guys. See you next Monday.